alone on a long, silent earth. Where's your legal team, Ted? No need. I dropped all 18 lawsuits the moment you landed. I assume your data confirms this? All right. This promises to be interesting. Perhaps we could have lunch brought in, get reacquainted. I know you, Ted. You've screwed something up. Something big. Or you wouldn't have eaten the crow to get me here. So spit it out. (sighs) There's a glitch in the chariot line. Your killer robots? Peacekeepers. Yes, those. So shut them down. Obviously, Liz, we would if we could. They're not responding. Are you telling me a swarm has gone rogue, Ted? It's worse than that. Show me the data then, and I'll take that lunch. Alone. The year. Unknown. A lush world has woven a rich tapestry using the threads of nature, man, and machine. The harmonious course of balance hums through the open air. And yet, for all of its wonder and glory, at the heart of it all, mystery. This isn't a glitch. It's a catastrophe. Fully aware. It's bad. Bad? Jesus, Liz. It's not bad, Ted. It's apocalyptic. You build a line of killer robots. Peacekeepers. That consume biomass as fuel. In emergencies. And you made them capable of self-replication. Limited self-manufacture. Controlled. Not anymore. The glitch-severed chain of command. The only nation this swarm answers to now is itself. You think? Everything else is just food. And at the rate it's replicating, Ted, it will strip the earth bare in 15 months. We're not talking fall of civilization. We're talking extinction. I get it, Liz. How do I stop it while it's contained? It's not contained. It can't be. You know what I mean. Right. Before the truth gets out, you mean. Liz, I will do anything you say. Keep working it, and whatever you recommend, I'll do. I'm going to hold you to that, Ted. For no one truly knew what came in the beginning, or by what design all mother intended. But by her hand, a spark of curiosity and vibrant joy was brought to life. Project Zero Dawn? Jesus, Liz, this, there, there has to be another way. If there were a nicer way to fix your mess, I would have proposed it. But this? When I asked you to find a solution, I didn't expect it to be worse than the disease. It's not, Ted. It may be grim, but it's our only chance. Now sign the proposal. <laughs> sign it? I, I can't sign that. Yes, you can. That, Liz, I can't in good conscience sign that. You've got a choice, Ted. I know! I'm speaking to you from a VTOL en route to U.S. Robot Command. In 15 minutes, I meet with General Harris and the rest of the Joint Chiefs. What? Are you crazy? Now your choice is what I tell them. Sign, and I'll tell them the wealthiest corporation on Earth has guaranteed the funds necessary to build Zero Dawn exactly as I've designed it. Or don't sign it. And I will make sure they and everyone else on this planet knows the real cause of the glitch. Jesus, Liz. You don't have to threaten me. I'll sign. Look on the bright side, Ted. From here on out, you get to do what you've always been good at. Footing the bill while others get their hands dirty. God forgive me.
Welcome back to Video Game Mythos, everyone. Season 2, Episode 30. After this, a beast of an episode will be in the books. And with it, the end of an era. That's right. Last week, as you may remember, was Ryan's final episode with Video Game Mythos. It's been a joy having him on the show, and I want to extend a sincere thank you for everything he added to the show. And Ryan, if you're listening to this, I feel confident in saying that on behalf of all of our listeners, thank you for everything. But just because Ryan has parted ways with us doesn't mean the story ends. It's just yet another chapter, a turn of the page in the story that is Video Game Mythos, a book that is written permanently by you, our fans. And because of that, I, at the moment, will single-handedly carry the torch of Video Game Mythos until the time comes to add a new face, a new voice. With this episode, Season 2 of Video Game Mythos will be coming to a close, and we are going to be taking a small break to restructure and come back better than ever, and I will give you all updates when we have them. Video Game Mythos means so much to me. The stories we tell here aren't just blatant rehashes for entertainment, it's an avenue that we, as fellow consumers of the video game industry, create to tell a story that may have been overlooked, lost in translation, or even went untold. That doesn't mean we're right, or that we are completely comprehensive in our presentation. It just means that when we tell a story, it meant something to us from a way that it hit us, from the way that the characters and the stories they tell impacted our lives. Sure, they may not be real, but the lessons and the experiences they portray shine as true as daylight. And that is why Video Game Mythos is so important to me. Because everyone has a story to tell. Only you get to decide the impact it will have. So welcome to the season finale of Video Game Mythos. Initiate Project Horizon Zero Dawn. In the beginning, life. And like any creation, living or not, the intricacies of care and attention in its infancy shape who and what the final product becomes. Intricacies indeed, for without careful refinement, an amount of each element of the formula and creating a healthy balance life would fail. And as with the life of Aloy, it was no different. In the year that the Old Ones would have called a 3021, in a world that is both rich with fauna, flora, and machine life, living in relative harmony, a mysterious infant girl was discovered in the heart of all Mother Mountain. The High Matriarchs disagreed over what she was. Tirsa thought her to be a blessing but her fellow High Matriarchs believed her to be a sign of coming doom. She seemingly appeared from nowhere. She therefore seemingly had no mother, and motherhood is highly sacred to the Nora. That put them at an impasse, similar to that with Rost, an outcast whose fate was previously decided by them years ago. They ultimately decided to turn her over to Rost to raise her as an outcast. Rost joyfully took her in devoutedly following the tribe's religious practices even though he was an outcast he named her Aloy 
in a naming ritual blessed and witnessed only by Tirsa. When the other high matriarchs arrived, they angrily rebuked him for what she believed was profaning of the ritual by performing it on an outcast. But Roth endured her wrath and his fatherly love for Aloy was unaffected. But this wasn't the end of the trials for Aloy. For years, she was scorned for being an outcast by the other Nora children. They threw rocks at her. They rejected her. And only due to her respect for Roth did she hold her tongue. As outcasts are not to speak to Nora tribesfolk and especially take action against them. This sparked a growing resentment towards Nora due to her treatment, and she began to question why she was treated differently, where she came from, who even her mother was. But she resentfully trusted her surrogate father as he explained that now was not the time. Answers will come with age. Aloy's growth and patience through Ross' teachings were very evident in her early years, but nothing could quell what our ancestors deemed to be one of the most important qualities a child could have, and that is curiosity. Nors are forbidden from entering the ruins of the Old Ones, which are largely mechanical ruins, like the inside of a spaceship overrun with natural rock and rivers. But when Aloy accidentally fell down a hole and stumbled upon the structure, her curiosity struck, and she began discovering a new world. While exploring the cave in search of an exit, she discovered a small arrow-shaped device that displayed information and recordings through holograms. When she found her way out of the cave, Ross reluctantly allowed her to keep it, and she quickly put it to use. One day, Aloy was struck with a rock thrown by Bast, another Nora child, who mocked her for being a no-mother. While Ross treated her injury, Aloy demanded to know why she was an outcast and who her mother was. Ross tentatively admitted that he did not know exactly why she was an outcast or even knew who her mother might be, but that the High Matriarchs likely knew the answer. The surest way to get the High Matriarchs to tell her was to run in the Proving, a Nora's coming-of-age ritual. Not only would the winner be granted a boon, but Aloy would be accepted into the tribe simply by completing the Proving. Aloy resolved to win the Proving and learn the truth about her mother. For 12 years, Aloy trained, listening to Rost's every word, becoming a swift and stealthy yet mighty hunter, becoming quick on her feet, heavy with sword, and perfect with her bow. And after proving that she was ready by single-handedly bringing down a sawtooth, Rost informed her the true lesson was that this was her duty to protect the Nora, and as she did so by bringing down that sawtooth, and on the day of the proving, Rost made sure Aloy did not forget that once she was a Nora, he was forbidden to be spoken to. She vehemently disagreed, and upon telling Aloy that he would go where she would never find him, Rost gave his farewell as he walked away, leaving a heartbroken Aloy at the gates. But though Rost took leave of her, intending their parting to be a permanent farewell, he watched her from afar as she undertook the proving the next day. Aloy persevered, and though being treated unfairly, took the path of most resistance, but most gain, again proving that the second quality her ancestors wished for their children proved valuable in the situation. Willfulness. She won the proving, granting her boon and her acceptance as a Nora, but that was quickly forgotten as the Nora were attacked by a large group of Shadow Karja. 
Aloy held her own, but her running mates did not survive. It is then the cult leader, Helis, personally attacked Aloy and almost killed her as she lay wounded. But at this, Rost appeared from nowhere and valiantly came to her defense and engaged Helis. At first, he held his own, but Helis overtook him and delivered a fatal blow to Rost. And in his final moments, mustered enough strength to push Aloy's wounded body over the edge of the cliff and into the river before the explosives detonated, killing him and reverberating his final words to her. Survive. And it was here Aloy's true journey for truth began. And she found out that although she thought her training had been for the proving, it was just a precursor to something bigger on a scale she never could have imagined. The Shadow Karja attack was just the beginning. Aloy wakened within the All-Mother Mountain, which was supposed to be off-limits to all members of the tribe except for the High Matriarchs. After recovering her clothes, gear, and focus, she saw a projection of a woman who looked remarkably like her, only much older and with shorter hair. She met Tirsa, who explained that Aloy was brought inside the mountain because it was seen as a sacred rite to die near one's mother. And it was explained that the mother itself had given birth to Aloy. Finding a giant door, it scanned Aloy, though it announced that the system was corrupted and could not accept Aloy's genetic code. Tirsa explained with joy that the goddess knew Aloy, though Aloy angrily snapped that it didn't recognize her because of the corruption and if she could heal it, maybe the door would open. She anointed Aloy's seeker, which allowed her to leave the sacred lands in order to find the truth. And that is exactly what she did. She defeated a corruptor as she left, proving to herself and her Nora that doubted her that she could handle the mission. Along the way, she met Erend, a Meridian royal, and Olin, their Osaram with a focus like hers, whom she was unaware helped the cultist target her, but Aloy had her suspicions of him. Warchief Sona and her son Varl are well met after leaving the embrace, searching for the proving killers, which she aided them in hunting them down to their base and eliminating them by igniting their base with blaze and destroying them from within. Through plots to overthrow kings, kidnapped and murdered royals, and the betrayal of close friends, Aloy earns the trust of the royals of Meridian but not without entangling with a stranger who can take control of her focus, seeing what she sees and enabling them to speak to her as they wish. Still intent on learning who the mystery woman who looks like her is, Aloy goes to Maker's End, guided by the same voice who had disabled the cultist's focuses. She discovers the Eclipse, excavating a machine called a Deathbringer, which she manages to kill along with the cultists. And through a cultist's focus, Hades finds out that Aloy is still alive. Though met with an identiscan like at All Mother Mountain, the door opens for Aloy, allowing her in. As she works her way up the ruins, Aloy learns that the Maker's End was originally a facility belonging to Pharaoh Automated Solutions, a corporation of the old ones that made machines. Eventually, they made machines of war, such as the Deathbringer and the Corruptor. She identifies the woman as Elizabeth Sobek, who has worked for Foss for some time. 
Reaching Ted Farrow's office at the top of the ruins, Aloy begins to learn of the circumstances of the Old One's disappearance. The Farrow war machines had the ability to self-replicate and were powered through consuming biomatter. But a glitch caused the machines to go rogue and ignore commands. They had begun what would eventually wipe out all life on Earth. Ted Farrow wanted Elizabeth Sobeck to fix the glitch, but without a back door, the glitch could not be reversed. However, Sobeck did produce a solution named Project Zero Dawn. At this, the man in the focus reveals himself, and his name is Silence, a suspected former Banuk tribesman whose drive for answers has pushed him as far as Aloy has come with half of the determination. Although Aloy is distrustful of him, she follows his suggestion to head to the Grave Horde, the former U.S. Robot Command, and it is here that Aloy learns the truth. Project Zero Dawn was implemented alongside a military campaign called Operation Enduring Victory. Aloy concludes that she needs to go to the orbital launch base, which Silence tells her lies underneath Sunfall, the capital city of the Shadow Karja, the attackers of her proving. Since any Eclipse members wearing focuses would identify her immediately, Aloy is first forced to travel to the Eclipse base and is nearly sacrificed by Silence in an effort to bring down the transmitting Tallneck as the self-aware AI, Hades, has taken over a metal devil to attack. Aloy narrowly escapes death, and as she destroys the Longneck, it forces Hades to withdraw. An angry Aloy heads to Sunfall, and into the sewers below the city, and deep into Zero Dawn Project Facility. In the Zero Dawn Facility, Aloy reaches a holographic theater, and a message from General Harris explains the truth of Operation Enduring Victory. The military operation was not a superweapon program to stop the Faro Plague and save humanity, but a means to buy the amount of time needed to complete Project Zero Dawn. Humanity and all life on Earth would go extinct, regardless of how successful the operation was. But it gave hope. It gave humanity something to fight for. In the next hologram theater, a projection of Elizabeth Sobeck explained Project Zero Dawn. The hope was to create Gaia, a fully automated, terraforming AI with a number of subordinate functions. Gaia would generate the deactivation codes from the Pharaoh Swarm. Build the arrays to broadcast the codes and shut down the machines, then work on cleansing the Earth, and finally, reintroduce life. Aloy learns more about the subordinate functions and subsequent rooms, but still does not understand how she and Elizabeth Sobek are connected. In Sobek's office, Aloy finds copies of the Alpha Registry, which would gain her access to the All-Mother Mountain. Aloy realizes that she can now figure out who gave birth to her inside the mountain. Silence callously remarks that she was not made by a who, but a what, which angers Aloy. But as the argument distracts her, Aloy is caught off guard by a stun bomb and knocked unconscious. Sunlight breaks Aloy's sleep and she wakes to a coliseum of bloodthirsty eclipse, locked in a cage. Before being forced to fight for her life, Helis, the man who murdered Rost at the Proving, 
crushed Aloy's focus he removed from her, containing the only copy of the Alpha Registry key Aloy so desperately needed. He then reveals he gave the order to destroy the Noras once and for all, and Aloy is dropped into the ring to fight a behemoth, a massive robot. Aloy's only advantage without weapons is using the size of the behemoth against it, which she causes it to smash into a pillar, knocking her weapons down to her. And with time, she destroys the beast. As more come, Silence bursts through the wall and Aloy escapes with him on an overridden strider. Silence gives Aloy a new focus after they escape. And with it, a copy of the contents of her old one, including the Alpha Registry. Silence chooses not to help Aloy warn the Nora of the impending eclipse attack, but he does apologize for being rude to her in the Project Zero Dawn facility. He rides off, and Aloy heads in the direction of the sacred Nora lands. But when Aloy reaches the sacred lands, it's already been ravaged by the eclipse, and a wounded Nora brave tells her that the remainder have taken refuge near All Mother Mountain, defending their last hopes and the more sacred temple. Aloy, determined, batters her way through fire and flame to the top of the mountain and fights hand in hand with the remaining brave to bring down a corrupted Thunderjaw and an army of Eclipse, alongside Varl and Warchief Sona, all barely surviving the attack. And now, with the Alpha Registry in hand, Aloy returns inside the mountain and to the door who denied her in the beginning and was allowed in. And it is here where Aloy learns her true purpose. As Aloy is taken deeply inside the trenches of All Mother Mountain, she learns that this is a cradle facility where the first humans after the Pharaoh Plague were created, gestated, and born in artificial wombs. Aloy learns that the early humans were raised by multi-servitors, which are essentially holograms, but when the food supply was depleted, they were forced out in the wilds. The Apollo function is only mysteriously offline, which explained the lack of knowledge the tribes had of the old one. Further in the cradle, Aloy scans a database and a final message from Gaia. Gaia explains that the transmission of an unknown source corrupted the Gaia Prime facility, turning the subordinate functions into highly advanced but chaotic entities. Hades took this to mean that Gaia had failed and took control of her terraforming system, intending to destroy the world as it was designed to do. Gaia ordered her prime reactor to overload in an attempt to destroy all of her subordinate functions, including Hades, though this would mean that she would also be destroyed. Gaia sent out a transmission to Eleuthia 9 to gestate an embryo of Elizabeth Sobek's genetic material in hopes that this clone would access Gaia Prime and restore the subordinate functions. At the last minute, Hades sent out a virus that destroyed the coding that bound it to Gaia's main system, letting it escape before the prime reactor overloaded. Gaia instructs that the master override be obtained to override Hades and stop it from destroying the world. As the message ends, Aloy was left devastated. 
and the realization that she was essentially a clone created for a single purpose and not born naturally. Silence was right. Her entire life, struggling with those who called her motherless, her identity being based around finding the truth to this insurmountable riddle, all to find that the answer was just as Silence said. I am a what, not a who. She was wrecked by this, but only for a moment, for it didn't change what she knew had to be done. Knowing that the Eclipse would launch an attack on Meridian, Aloy asked the remaining fighters to meet her there, and she headed for Gaia Prime. This is Charles Ronson. I'm logging this six hours after final deployment of Gaia Command. This morning, an access port seal malfunctioned. Gaia Prime's port seals were designed to close with a seam of less than two millimeters, but this one closed with a 10 millimeter gap. Enough for an energy signature to bleed through. Enough for the swarm to detect this facility. Enough for Gaia to be discovered and destroyed enough to end the future we worked so hard to make possible. Unless the hatch servos were manually re-engaged from the outside. I'm now switching to a recording of the event. <laughs> well, I'm not going out there. Not what I signed up for. Well, either we send someone out there or all this was for nothing. It should be Liz's decision. So when's she going to get here? She said five minutes. You don't think... Oh, no. Okay, everyone. I repaired the seal. Gaia? Seal closure at 1.4 millimeters confirmed. Elizabeth, no. We'll find a way to bring you back in. Not gonna happen. The swarm's too close. Really, it's alright. Gaia's complete. She'll take care of things from here on out. That's what she does. Not like this. There's so much we- Guys, you know me. I'm no good at endings at letting things end. So let's not. So, happy trails, Liz, and see you around? Yeah. Take care of each other, alright? Liz. I'm okay with this. I want to go home. Goodbye. And so, the war began. A war where humanity had to fight for the right to be reinstated. And not that it was without flaw, for that is what the machines could not understand. Humans are always flawed, but it is our flaws that differentiate us, that define us, that allow us to fight, to overcome, to be curious, to be willful, to be compassionate, and to press on. And so Aloy does, to the final battle to save humanity. Her curiosity enabled her to find her focus 
to maintain it, to learn new things, and discover the old and new world alike. Her willful nature pushed her to survive in the harshest of situations, but also find clarity to make the wise decisions instead of the brash, easy ones. It was her will to persevere that brought her through the proving, and her will to survive that led her to the revelation that saved the world. And compassion. The compassion that allowed her to make even the most unlikely of friends out of enemies. Her sparing the lives of those who hated her, those who betrayed her, and sacrificing her well-being showed that compassion takes many forms, and more importantly, formed her into someone that is capable of leading, of saving, and of making the sacrifices that need to be made. Like Rost did. Like Elizabeth did. Because sacrifices aren't about doing what has to be done. No, that's only part of it. It is about believing in something so deeply that no matter what you do, no matter the outcome, you ensure that your part has been played and that your mission is complete. Your voice has been heard. So as we bring season two of Video Game Mythos to a close, and we look forward into the future, we remember the stories, the lessons, and the sacrifices that were made, not only by Aloy, but the characters that we all know and love throughout all ages of history, both fiction and non-fiction alike. Because it isn't what is tangible or real that has a lasting impact. It's the ideas that mold our being. It's the examples that are set by actions. And it's the sacrifices that cement the foundations in our history. And those sacrifices are the ones we remember, that we cherish, and most importantly, that we grow from. Just like Rost. Just like Elizabeth. And just like Aloy. Okay, Gaia. Sorry about that. Where was I? You were telling a story. Right. Yeah. So, like I was saying, it was a children's electronics kit, but I'd hacked the wiring to an auto battery and solar PV, so the grass caught fire, and so did a tall pine that stood there, I don't know, maybe a hundred years. You were how old? Six. My mother was home, thank God. So she called the fire department, and after, she took me out on the lawn and showed me the dead baby birds, because there were nests in the pine tree. What did you feel? I'm not sure. I remember yelling that I didn't care, and that's when my mother took my face in her hands and spoke. Query, what did she say? She said I had to care. She said, Elizabeth, being smart will count for nothing if you don't make the world better. You have to use your smarts to count for something. To serve life, not death. You often tell stories of your mother. 
But you are childless. I never had time. I guess it was for the best. If you had a child, Elizabeth, what would you have wished for him or her? I guess I would have wanted her to be curious and willful, unstoppable even, but with enough compassion to heal the world, just a little bit. Anyway, that's all I've got for now, Gaia. Time to tuck in. I wish you a pleasant sleep, Elizabeth. Thank you. I'll catch you tomorrow.